You're listening to Making Waves, a podcast by Wiser. Hello and welcome to Making Waves with Wiser. I'm your host, Izzy Bishop, and this is the careers advice podcast like no other, where each week I sit down with a female leader in the tech space to talk about the waves they've made in their career and the waves that set them back along the way. Each guest will be asked to name me their three most impactful moments in their career so far, and to give advice to others wanting to be successful in this industry. On today's episode, I am joined by a woman who at the age of 27 has already achieved so much. She started her career in the broadcasting industry and then took a big jump by diving into the world of tech and co-founded both a recruitment app and an AI fashion tech company. Throughout her career, she has worked in tech, finance, and if that's not enough, she has recently created her own path in this industry by founding her own consultancy company, aptly named Imogene. Imogene Aronson, you put us all to shame. Welcome to Making Waves. (laughs) What a lovely introduction. (laughs) You're welcome. I mean, you deserve it. You really do put us all to shame. I don't know how you've achieved so much at such a young age. I don't know. It just it, when you are talking about all of that, it just seems a bit surreal sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of those things you can have imposter syndrome. But um, I feel like I want to frame what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> I know sometimes when you hear what you've actually done, you're like, "Wow, go me! Well done." <laughs> but the reason oh, I lovely. am so excited to have you on the podcast is that you're obviously very successful, as we just heard, and multifaceted. But you're also only at the beginning of your career, and I feel like so many listeners will be able to relate to you so what advice would you give to people who are listening to this podcast thinking I want to do exactly what she's done I want to be successful in the tech industry um so do you know what it is I think um, when you say being successful everyone has to define success in a different way Mm -hmm. so in my opinion I'd say I've done a lot but I haven't really left a mark as I would but I would say I've learned a ton of lessons so I would honestly, just to anyone out there, just say be so willing to learn um, and be very open to making mistakes. You know, I've made tons of mistakes. Um, and each time, you know, you just, it's how you recover from it. Um, it's what you go and do next or uh, how you respond. And I think that's something I learned from a really young age. Like in business, you can't throw your toys out the pram, um, especially in the tech industry. You're going to have to pivot and make mistakes. So My advice is don't focus on what success looks like and feels like rather than are you testing yourself and growing. You know, it's that saying money doesn't buy you happiness. So if it's if you're successful selling a company, are you you really successful? Are you really happy? So I think it's really understanding that in what you do, make sure you enjoy it. You know, every single thing I've done, I would use or I relate to. So it enables you to bring in the passion for what you do. Um, I think especially in the tech industry, you need to be passionate about what you do because there's really testing moments. Um, But it's basically be so open to messing up time and time again um, and surrounding yourself with people in business that can pick you up or or get you to the next step. You know, you can't do it alone. That's something you definitely can't do. I think that's such good advice. And I really think within the tech industry, but also within any industry and in life, you've just got to enjoy mm. what you do. Otherwise, what's the point in doing it? And you mentioned mm. that you've got to not be afraid of failure. Have you always had that yeah. mentality in life? Or is that something that you've learned throughout your career? So have I had the mentality it's okay to fail? No. 
Um, I think until you fail, I honestly think until you fail, you think, you know, everything's great. Business is a nine to five in any industry, but especially the tech, you know, I think you're not willing to fail because if it's your business or your project, you know, you know what you're doing. Um, And I think it kind I think it really honestly does. You know, you have to mess up to learn. And And I always used to say to people and even my friends today, or anyone in business I consult for, I'm like, it doesn't matter if you make a mistake. And it's getting very comfortable with tricky situations. And I think that I really learned that from being in them. Otherwise, I thought, oh, the world's great. Business is great. You know, you see people happy and successful and you watch the news and blah, blah, blah. And then I think you kind of one day you just something not happens and it's not really doesn't really go to plan. But you persevere, and I think perseverance is really important. And then you persevere, and then you realize that it's not all that bad, and you can come back, and you speak to a few people or advisors, and I think it's just, they all say to you, you're learning, like you're on the right path. Because I also think if you, what I've learned, and again, it's all from learnings, you know, it's not really a mentality that I grew up with, you know, I thought, oh, everything's going to be great, happy, and easy. I think it's when you really have that tricky moment, um, you were just like, okay, it's that fight and flight you know, how much do I really want this? Is this the right job and industry for me? Um, And I think your brain kicks into a different type of, what's the word? Your brain just sort of taps into this, okay, let's think outside of the box. And I think it's when you can become creative and, you know, people say, oh, I'm not creative. I think everyone's creative. I think it's just you're willing to tap into that side of your brain, to be honest. Definitely. And I think from what you said, like you've got to try so many different things to find out where your niche Mm. is. And and as I mentioned in the introduction and speaking to you previously, you have done a lot so far at such a young age. Like you started (laughs) in the broadcasting industry and now you've started your own company. And like looking at your CV, people might think, gosh, you've jumped around a lot, which I think back in the day used to be seen as quite a negative thing. But what I love about your story Mm -hmm. is that you haven't done that conventional linear career. And I feel like times are changing. You don't have to stay in one company for your whole life. Um, And you've kind of made your own career path. But why I'm interested to know why you chose this (laughs) route instead of the conventional linear. Um. I, by the way, totally agree with you. I think the old mentality was you can't have a CV and you've not been there for longer than two years and people won't take you seriously. Yeah. Um, I think that's when people become very unhappy in their jobs. Um, I think you also need to be appreciated. And I think if you're there for a long, a huge amount of time and your company and business is, you know, keeping up with the times, you might struggle um, or it might not be, it's like a relationship. It might not be what it was or who they were at the start. Um, it's evolution. But I think how I fell into it was my first ever job at Marketeers was the best lesson for me. It was, as you know, unconventional hours. Um, everything was attention to detail. And I've always had attention to detail. I think it's just how I've been brought up. Um, and just being a bit particular and fussy and a little bit difficult. Um, <laughs> Sorry, and I just got difficult. approached. Yeah, and I just think it was quite early on when... Uh, people were starting to become founders of startups. You know, now you'll know someone who knows someone who is a founder. But mm. back then it was a very rare and it was a huge, a much bigger risk. Um, and I just was approached by a friend of mine and said, you know, my friend Jack is starting this company and I think it's great for you. And, you know, you push the boat out, you know, you like to talk to people and I think it would be interesting for you. Um, and in the my initial reaction, well, my family's initial reaction was, why would you do that? Why would you leave your job? You know, why would you go into a company that doesn't really have any foundations other than a business plan and a prototype? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very fortunate enough that in my blood, actually, my uh, 
great uncle uh, is Lord Young, and he essentially was in the tech, well, started the tech startup friend in the government, and is a a mentor to a lot of startups. Um, and I think I think he had something like the first ever computer or Apple or something. He's he's a tech wizard. This leads us really nicely into your first impactful moment in your career. You said you went to your <laughs> uncle to discuss advice. You went against yeah. your parents <laughs> to your uncle. What happened? Um, do you know what? You can say against or you can say my dad pushed me to do that because I think <laughs> back then, like we said at the start, it was when things got difficult, you can throw your toys out the pram and say, oh, but why not? And I said, okay, I'm willing to, to go and speak to my uncle and have that risk that I could be completely bonkers. So again, you're taking this risk. And I, I remember actually firstly saying to Jack and Novo, who were the founders of SIFT, you know, I'm going to go see my uncle. I think I'd been there a couple of weeks, maybe a couple mm-hmm. of months. Uh, but still, my first ever startup had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but just continuously learning day by day. Yeah. No structure. Um, and I remember going to him and I remember turning around to the, the guys and I said, any chance you can just give me something to take? Because I don't really know how to fully describe the business and I don't really want to embarrass myself in front of my uncle. You know, who wants to embarrass themselves in front of a family member going to talk about a business? You, you're still really understanding yourself. Yeah. And I sat with my uncle for maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And we went through the, it was actually the investment deck at the time. Um, it was the only collateral that we had, maybe a few other bits and bobs. And anyway, long story short, he said, you know, I think this is marvellous. And truth be told, he then called my dad later and said, leave Imogen alone. She's on her own path and let, let her let her carry on. And, you know, it was really impactful for me because it was a decision that really went against, you know, what all my siblings had done and what my friends were doing. Um, and for me, it was just this this boost. I had this, like, energy go through my body. And I was like, I'm really going to do something. And I can put my own understanding or my personality into it. But I get to work so closely to, you know, a founder. Mm. And, you know, back then, if you were in a big company, you never work closely with a CEO. You know, you you are on smaller teams or you're an executive. And I think then he went on to invest and become an advisor. And I was included in the really early stages of that business. And it was just, it really gave me, you know, sometimes you, don't get me wrong, by the way, it, there were difficult trying moments and you, like I said, you learn on your feet, but to be a part of something that you chose to do, um, I yeah. think that's really what entices me and anyone into getting into the startup world. You know, it's got to be a startup that entices you um, and that you can learn and grow in. Big up to your uncle. I mean, I feel like you need to pay him <laughs> some commission or something. <laughs> I still speak to him. You know, I even emailed him two days ago um you know for me he's he's just another soundboard and advisor and and honestly a remarkable man that I think has achieved a lot but he really did teach me from also a young age um and it's for everyone listening you know if you aren't enjoying four consecutive Mondays and what you do you have to leave and it's not to say you know be jobless it's no use get up and do something about it you know if you're really that unhappy it's not good for you and it's not good for the business and he 100%. just said, you know, don't be afraid of being heard, um, but also just making wiser decisions. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Nowadays, you feel like you owe it to your parents to do that 100%. career and the degree you studied. But I mean, you're choosing your 
degrees and your A-levels and your GCSEs at such a young age. And as you said before, you're never going to be the same person that you are in five years time. So you can change your mind. Mm. But I feel like so many people are afraid to do that because of what their family members or what friends might think because it wasn't the path that they were on. And I think you've just Mm. got to be brave and take that jump like you did and go, do you know what? This is where I see myself going. Yes, okay, I didn't start my career off in this industry, but this is where I want to go and I feel like it's right for me and take that risk. I really resonate with what you've said is the word fear. And I think fear is something that if you can conquer and really actually understand it as a challenge that you can overcome in Mm. anything, I think it really allows you to, to surprise yourself. You know, the second that you get rid of that fear and you look at it for what it is, it's a challenge. You know, and I don't want to sound like an absolute hypocrite because I don't want people to think things don't scare me. I think I have fear go through my body maybe once a week, twice a week. And Mm. I recognize it, you know. I think, okay, this is scary. Or I take on a client, which I've been doing recently, or I'm trying to do help someone with a business plan. And I think there's always an element that I'm going to be a bit scared that, you know, is this right? And you start to double guess yourself. But I think you've really got to be like, you know, I do know what I'm doing. And it's a conversation. And I think it's a journey, you know, that everyone, every podcast will say this, there's no such thing as an overnight success. It takes 25 Definitely. years to achieve that. And I think it's as long as you're open and honest. So for me in business, I'm finding a lot of successful startups, if they are one of their, well, their USPs are trust and transparency, they normally do pretty well. Because I think in anything, you know, yeah. trust and transparency is great. <laughs> and I think it's, you know, be very open and honest to yourself. You know, this is a scary moment in your career or you are taking a leap. And just acknowledge that. And then mm-hmm. you'd be so surprised that you're like, okay, I'm doing this. And you could turn that fear into a sense of achievement. And then I just think from then onwards, it's, again, yeah, you just got to be very open in everything. Yeah, no, that's such good advice. And you've mentioned quite a few times the word startup. And I know when we spoke previously, (laughs) you actually said, you said something really interesting that you feel like all companies should have that startup feel. I'm interested to know why you think that. Um, Every business, the way you operate involves people. Within that, there's relationships. And I think relationships, there can be ups, there can be downs. There can be challenging moments. And I think for a business to grow, but to also remain current, you've always got to be open to the fact that your audience, your consumer, your customer is evolving and you have to evolve with them. Whether it's a generational thing or you want to tap into a new conversation or reach a wider audience, I just don't think that any business is secure. I mean, look at what the current circumstances are in the world and what 2020 has been like. You know, there was a lot of businesses that were set in stone or you had blue chip companies that were doing extremely well. And I think overnight, you know, there were some businesses that were purely offline and never really thought that they needed an online business. And also maybe vice versa. It's just always thinking about how do we as a company remain on our feet, nimble, support our customers, clients, audience. Um, But I also think it's open to change. You know, in a startup, you have to be open to change. You have to be open to pivots. And I think the reason why a lot of the younger generation join startups is because their voices are heard. Yeah. And I think in much larger businesses, younger voices can't be heard as much because there is a system 
to go through. And I think if larger companies, maybe, maybe some are, some aren't, this is quite a generalization, but it's also from a bit of experience. Um, I think if they let the younger voices be heard and allowed a few more, uh, maybe pivots and changes or younger people coming in and using their experience, be it all maybe a year, having that startup mentality would allow you to just think it, it just makes you more set in stone for future generations rather than a business that becomes outdated and a younger audience or new audience doesn't know about you. Startup for me has always been think on your feet um, and, you know, don't take, you don't have three months of planning to sign off something. You've got to be a bit more reactive as well. So I just think there's a few systems that take way too long. Um, and then by that point, you know, it's just over. No one wants to over plan anymore. And I think the way that everyone as an audience is, is really reacting is it's you've got to be reactive on demand, but it has to be authentic. So all these paid ads, endorsements, huge billboards, sometimes it doesn't really hit the emotions or the people that it should in the way that it used to. I think that word authentic that you said is so important. And yeah, it is important to be flexible and nimble as well. And as you've mentioned, there are so many startups evolving every day as we speak. And they're very competitive and they're able to have that flexibility and disrupt the industry and disrupt the market. And that's where I do feel like I agree with you, those older companies, they need to kind of catch up. But something that I am really fascinated about is the fact that obviously we understand that there is a huge gap between men and women in the tech industry. But I wonder if you being a female and young, have you come across any hurdles so far in your career? Uh, it's really interesting that you asked me that question because I have been asked that quite a lot recently. Um, because I've been trying to get involved in a few more talks and panels. Definitely yes, to answer the question, like, mm. to, yes. But I think it's something you, you try not to dwell on at that moment in time. But when you reflect back on it, you think, okay, it took me 45 minutes for that man to even look me in the face and give me eye contact. Or, you know, when you are in a startup, and especially some of the stages that I've been involved in, for example, when I was in, New York, which is it's a tricky place to live when you're on your own um, and running yeah. around and trying to raise capital. And I think, you know, you walk in and there's one, a young female, like you said, I'm 27, and I sometimes still get ID'd for alcohol. So I do look quite young as well. It doesn't help. But I mean, you should take that always... as a compliment. It means you're aging very well. <laughs> I will when I, I will. But I, I just, I think it's one of those things that, you know, as a woman, it's you've got to think, there's a few more things to think about, you know, is your outfit, is you, are you going to present yourself in the most professional manner? Are they yeah. going to take you seriously, you know, your hair and makeup? And are they going to make eye contact with me? And I've had so many moments, you know, I've had in one meeting, I've had a man take off their, their wedding ring and thinking they're doing it subtly under the table. Um, I've had a guy not make eye contact with me and be incredibly rude for 35 minutes. And to the point that you, you've just got to, you've just got to be so controlled in that moment and not reactive yeah. that you, you you just know as a female young entrepreneur and you're going into a room full of men and if you especially if you're going in with business partners that are also men that you're going to struggle for your voice to be heard in that conversation mm. so it's almost like going into an exam you have to prepare it's just the preparation, but it's also the frustration when sometimes you go into some meetings and it is completely male dominated and there are no females in there or there aren't any women on that board or from that fund. 
definitely as a young female entrepreneur, you have to fight for eye contact that takes you seriously. You said you have to control yourself when that happens, when the man takes his wedding ring off under the table or doesn't give you eye contact. But that's so wrong. We shouldn't have to control ourselves because men should learn that that's not okay and that we can be taken just as seriously as men, Mm. whether we are... 50 years old or 27 years old whether we're male or female we're all the same if we're in that room with the other people we've earned our space and I feel like there's this huge problem in not just the tech industry but the world where we're not given that respect yeah do you know what I think when you're just listening to you say that the word that I want to say is I think sometimes you feel like there's disbelief that you on their ends that you can achieve what you've set out to achieve and I think you know we also come as women there's that whole stigma that we're emotional and I'm going to be so honest with you I have spent my career so far being who I am people telling me I'm emotional or you know it's just just get the job done or you know it's just another client or it's just another meeting I've even had Someone said to me, oh, you can just smile and nod and use your looks and you'll win them over. What? And I think it, yeah, and I just think it gets to that point where you just think, it gives you drive because you're like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. And they're like, oh, but you know, why did that person reply to your LinkedIn message? Is it because you have a pretty picture? And you're just kind of like, well, do you know what? If that's what you think, great. But people don't invest in people just for their looks. But I think Mm -hmm. it's a male way of trying to knock you down because maybe that they see that you are going to achieve. You know, maybe like we said at the beginning, maybe there's fear that, you know, women will dominate the tech industry or the venture capital world. And, you know, women will become the leading advisors and you'll want your whole advisory board to be full of women. You know, there's some phenomenal tech entrepreneurs out there. And me and one of my business partners, um, She's the founder of OneZone. When we were talking about tech people that inspired us, we even struggled because we know that the exposure that men in tech get sometimes is higher. But you know what? Serena Williams, the other day, I read that she's been had a fund called Serena Ventures since 2014, heavily investing in women and colored people. And I think that's phenomenal. But I've only read about that once. Maybe it's I need to broaden where I do my research from. But I think on the main publications, you're always seeing what is going on in the world from one or two people's opinion and publications. And I think there needs to be, um, I just think women can be heard more. I think there are phenomenal apps out there that do exist. But I think if you interviewed other female entrepreneurs, that they would say the struggle that they had to be taken seriously because it was just another woman with a female idea. It's just for mums or it's just in fashion. They always say that men, if uh, they're being competitive, if the women are the same, we're just seen as bossy. And it's just like, oh, come on. Why why is the man seen as being competitive and ambitious and driven and the female's not the same? 
as as a woman, like you do have to prove them wrong, which is wrong, but like you've definitely and we proved will. them wrong, we will. Imogen. <laughs> yeah. And I Trying. mean you've, def- you've proved them wrong in your career so far. And also this takes me nicely onto your second impactful moment. You prove people wrong by taking a huge jump in your career and moving to New York by mistake and also by yourself so can you explain a bit more about that and how you uh how it was a mistake that you moved to New York yeah um so I have an older sister who's married with four beautiful boys who lives in Long Island and I decided um I just started in a fashion well not just started I was about nearly a year in and I decided that rather than losing focus over my birthday that year, because my birthday's the 1st of November, day after mm-hmm. Halloween, I thought rather than going out, getting drunk, and just, you know, wasting money on outfits, because again, we were bootstrapping, I wasn't, I don't think I was on a huge salary or even on a salary at that point. And I thought, okay, do you know what, I'm going to use this opportunity this year to go and stay with my sister for five days and see the boys and have a very wholesome birthday. Uh, so I did that, and as I was there, I reached out to a few people, of which one was actually a good, good friend of mine, his name's Jared, um, and I met with him a few times, and I, I just had this feeling, I was like, why, we've been exploring other cities and countries to launch in, and it essentially it should have been a global business, and I just remember thinking, what am I coming back to London for? I can do exactly what I'm doing in London and New York. Let me speak to the guys, the team, and see, you know, it's no, it's no cost to the business. I'm living with my sister. Mm-hmm. I was having a, a wonderful time there with her. And I was like, I'm just going to speak to a few more people. I spoke to my partners, and they were like, sure, stay in New York. And our developers at the time were in Armenia. So I was dealing with London, UK, and Armenian time, and living with four boys under the age of eight. When did you Whilst sleep? wanting to be auntie... <laughs> Um, I, I do you know what I look back at pictures and I genuinely looked so sleep deprived oh, but no. smart like literally you could see me smiling and like everything I was doing was like coffee run coffee run I was up at like four or five but do you know what it was firstly don't get me wrong I like you said was in a city really truly no friends like let's be honest I could say that they are my friends but they're not your your old school friends that know you inside yeah. out but they're people you spend time with I was commuting from Long Island into the city with no structure, but working either in Joe and the Juices or Equinoxes. Luckily, like I said, my friend Jared at the time who lived there um, was coming to sit with me, work with me, talk things through with me. I was speaking with the team. But the impactful moment was really when I reached out to my dad one day and I said, Dad, I'm, I'm struggling here because I know that there's a huge opportunity here but it, I'm, I can't do it on my own. And he said, okay, I'm going to connect you to a friend of his who he plays golf with once a year. He's a great friend of his. He said, but this is up to you to lead this conversation. It's a great opportunity. And he happened to be a phenomenal man called Guy Dietrich, who is one of the MDs of Rockefeller. Capital. Wow. And I, you know, at that time, I didn't really have fear. I was like, okay, I'm going to go have a nice chat with this guy. We got on so well and he said to me, you are so passionate about what you do. And I full-heartedly believed in what we were setting out to do with that business and the brand that I was helping to create Mm -hmm. that I think just showing your confidence, but also your drive. He was like, so what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And, you know, these meetings and this is what we're working on. He's like, well, come and speak to me whenever. And I did, you know, normally people could shy away. And I just kept taking him up on the offer. Um, 
and then I set up maybe two, three weeks of pitches with these that he set up, this Rockefeller guy, angel investors, friends of friends, and it was just relentless, you know, meeting with anyone and everyone, sat on every single bar top, coffee shop, on your laptop, and again, taking so much criticism on the business was the best thing we ever did because we came back and we really looked at the business plan and what our unique selling point was. Yeah. Um, but the moving to New York part fundamentally helped me grow as a person. It made me realize that all startups aren't fun. I had a really great fun time at Sift and it wasn't as hard because I it wasn't my business and I wasn't as hands-on as a founder or a co-founder would be. But it really made me realize, you know, if you really want it, you can actually have it. And all it takes is confidence, drive, and as many conversations as possible. Because even now, that guy, Dietrich, he's he's like a father figure to me. I was having dinners there with him and his wife. Oh, amazing. just knowing that, yeah, and I think it is, do you know what, it really is amazing. Because I think whilst we can criticize some men in the industry, there are some really phenomenal advisors out there. Yeah. And all it takes is finding them. And I think it, you, like with anything, you surround yourself with good people and you put yourselves in good circumstances. I honestly would say to someone or anyone in the tech, I think you just, and this is what I've always been told by advisors, get so comfortable with being uncomfortable and then you're going to be okay because it will have that impact the moment that you're sitting on a gym floor on your laptop and you're just like, what am I doing again? yeah is this the right thing in that moment you can be like okay this isn't for me or you find another alternative and to know Um, you've put your all into it and you've done absolutely everything that you can to make your business a success and if it doesn't work out you're not going to have any regrets but would you say that like a big part of your success has been your ability to network I absolutely love networking and that's the honest truth. I would go to events on my own from a really young age, like networking events, trade shows. And at the time I always used to be quite nervous. Mm. But, you know, again, I have a really great friend and a guy called Oli Yonchev, who is the MD of Social Chain in America now. And it's a phenomenal business. And I met him because I went to a talk once and just reached out to him and asked for advice. And he responds to everyone he's great like that again it was just networking putting yourself in positions to have conversations with people but when I say conversations you've just got to listen again I I learned sometimes just let's talk about me 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 and what I want and what I want to do you know and I think this is great and da 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 and you you could be the loud enthusiastic person in the room but you walk away with everyone knowing everything about you I genuinely think that you need to go in and learn as much about everyone in that room as possible. That's um, such good advice. And don't, yeah, and I think it also just don't force relationships, you know. If it's not now and they're not beneficial now, it doesn't mean you put them in the bin because, oh, they didn't invest in this company or they said no. I think it's yeah. keeping and fostering friendships, relationships in business. Um, and I'm, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's partially how I think I, given myself the confidence to go on my own because whilst I've launched this consultancy business on my own it is entirely based on my network and what I've learned from other people and what I'll continuously learn from them and how their relationships or my relationship with them can help me help other people so I think 
again, networking, it's just a way of finding out about other people in a room. So if you're scared of it, just think everyone in that room is probably a little bit scared as well. And then it makes you feel a bit better. (laughs) No, that is true. I guess nobody is super confident to just go up and speak to a stranger. It's it's quite a difficult thing, especially in this day and age where you're stuck behind your phone or like on Mm. social media and we've forgotten how to interact with people face to face. So it is quite a daunting Mm. aspect to go to a networking event by yourself, not knowing anybody and actually saying hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think you've just got to train yourself. I mean, sometimes even like 10 minutes before going to an event or something, if I'm on my own, I even have this this sudden wave of uh, I'm not I'm actually just not going to go in. So like really? I don't want people to think I'm sitting here like oh I'm I I'm don't get scared and I don't have fear. Of course I do. I genuinely sometimes you know I've nearly turned Ubers around or you know I've I've had sweaty hands or I'm nervous and I just think that you've just got to be. I think for someone you if you're totally confident in absolutely everything you do you have not pushed yourself if you're going into a room with people you've never met before on your own I think you need to give yourself like we said at the start you know a tap on the back and say this is great what I'm doing you know this isn't the norm whilst even though it should be you know we should all have this confidence to be able to go in but like you said we're so used to hiding behind emails phones Facebook Instagram I think trust has been eroded across multiple platforms and I think our human interaction has suffered because of it and I think we'll see that in generations and generations and generations to come but I just think if we can all as people individuals and businesses you know give each other a break every now and then or Mm. say to a friend it's great that you did that you know we don't need vanity metrics you know it's more I want to say words of affirmation but it's more just like again a tap on the back and a well done and I just think everyone would I don't know I don't want to be like everyone would just be happier because it's not as easy as that but I think sometimes being told that's great to yourself is much better than hearing it from someone else I think everyone needs to be well not everyone I think I've learned especially myself I was very hard on myself and I think in business and from speaking to other people it's celebrate the small wins um, and get very very like just okay with the fact that not everything's going to be amazing (laughs) because I think if you wait to celebrate those huge wins then you're going to get really demotivated and demoralized because those big wins might be few and far between so yeah definitely be kinder to yourself and and give yourself that pat on the back Imogen for just jumping on the (laughs) podcast today and speaking to me (laughs) no you don't know my hands are sweating (laughs) (laughs) me too it's okay (laughs) we're in the same boat here this brings me on to your third impactful moment in your career and you've said that this is your most recent consultancy job um, and a business partner in one zone so can you explain a bit more about this moment yeah so one zone by the way I'm not just saying this because I'm biased it is going to be and will be a phenomenal business because I was introduced to Natasha whose surname is zone the founder just uh, I think it was Christmas time um, and it was when I was building my website and I was in, I, someone, sorry, someone told me about her and was meant to introduce me to her and that I never got the introduction. So I just reached out to her on LinkedIn and I said, Hey Tash, seeing what you're doing, apparently you might need some help. 
she's extremely great in when it comes to product uh, and business savvy but you know sometimes you need help with the commercial side so mm-hmm. let's have a chat and anyway we, we met up we got talking and I just saw her drive and I saw a lot of me in her at the start of when you know I was willing to do everything and anything for the business that I had been working on and I just saw that she was going to burn out and, mm. and that's not saying burnout, saying that she wasn't strong, but it was just saying, you know, she was a solo founder. So we met, we carried on working together and she was running me through her business and she was about to start fundraising. And I absolutely love that fundraising process because it, for me, is getting the story across and it's getting the right people. It's building relationships. It's like a marriage. I'm, and, but it's because I've never been the whole, the solo founder so for yeah. most founders, it's a huge burden and it's a risk. And that's why I think people like me can do what we do because we come in for the emotional support, but also just to be a soundboard, but to also get the right story in there that actually should be the points rather than the points that are in your head that you might necessarily think is what's needed to be heard. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we it was a, an app to search and discover places in the hospitality industry. We worked our asses off. For a month. I mean, we were together basically all day, every day. It basically was like a whirlwind. Sort of, we got on, the trust was there, we respected one another enough. I listened to her when she thought I was wrong and vice versa. And for me, it was great to be working with a female founder because I'd never done that before. So again, it was just like a, this new thing for me. I was like, this is incredible. Two women, female, female entrepreneurs, let's say. Um, and we spent a month going through raises from six meetings a day to four meetings a day to rewriting investment decks and it was the most incredible journey and then the world was hit with corona oh no and um you do you know what it's the initial reaction was an oh no and again a bit of disbelief yeah but what we managed to do during lockdown we still managed to take in the right strategic amount of money from investors who believed in the business and knew that hospitality would survive, but normal would slightly change. Mm-hmm. But more, even more so, there was a need for the platform. But we, instead of, again, just complaining about it, part of what my role was, was coming up with, you know, marketing initiatives and commercial. And we just built a new website, us two. We, instead of it being zoned out, we zoned in. We raised uh, £3,500 for uh, our restaurants providing relief for the NHS workers We uh, interviewed at least 20 to 30 entrepreneurs, business owners, chefs. We did live Instagrams with chefs who actually had time to show us how to cook. One being Pizza Pilgrims, Adam Handling, like some incredible people. Wow. And the reason it was so impactful was because people were emailing her or me and reaching out to us and saying, you know, it's so amazing to see the impact that you're having, you know, the positive conversation that you're putting out there. You know, don't get me wrong, deep down, her and I were, you know, sad. Like, you, you've got to say that a loss of, okay, we thought we were going to be here and, you know, all being able to take a salary and you're still struggling or you're trying to still push forwards. But there was trust, you know, and we were very transparent about everything. Yeah. And the impactful for me falls in so many different ways because one it was working with a female founder which was new for me two it was someone who was driven and you know wouldn't take no for an answer and I think we both learned a lot from one another I have to ask how is it uh working with a female founder compared to working with a male founder (laughs) dare I ask (laughs) 
And do you know what? Um, being working with so working with a female founder is uh, there was equal respect. You know, yeah. uh, we always talk things through, and our communication. I, I wanted to say that it was just because of who it was her and how great she is, but it's not. It's I think it's we were generally female, and there was a level of respect and understanding. Uh, we would never let a problem sit as a problem. Working with Tash and as a as a woman, we were very pragmatic. We made pros and cons lists. I was never totally right. Women love totally lists. Right we didn't disagree. We love lists. <laughs> we're just very pragmatic. Yeah, they no. don't understand. You've got to have the pros and the cons. And I guess you guys yeah. also listen to each other. And like you said, you didn't have any problems because you probably spoke about them and aired them. Whereas yeah. I, th- yeah. I think that is quite a female thing to do is we don't like to, to sleep on a grudge. We like to talk about it. Yeah. I think if I had the choice, I would only ever work with female founders. <laughs> I think I have my guard up more when I go into business with men and I don't and I'm not saying that's right um but I'm just saying with women I think the respect is already there whereas with men I'm like okay this is someone else I might have to gain their respect in a conversation or I'll have a call with them before even a a consultation just to see what their responses are like um and I again I'm not saying that's right and I'm not saying that it's wrong but it's just from my experiences what I found um but, you know, male figures in my life are my lead advisors. If you ask me if I have a female one, don't really have a female advisor. So, again, mm. maybe that's where I'm going wrong. Maybe I, I do need that. But, again, I'm very open to, to to doing what I can to make myself better in business. And maybe that will. Imogen, you've been an absolute joy to have on. And I feel <laughs> very inspired to do more with my life after learning how much you've already accomplished with yours. So thank you so much for coming on Making Waves. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you very much, Izzy. It's been an absolute pleasure. And let's definitely stay in touch. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And I'll see you next week.